Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I am your host, Leanne DeSanto, and we are honored to have you with us today. This podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. And we are all about the whole person here at Rise Up For You. So if you haven't grabbed your free Becoming Your Best Self startup kit yet, you can text RISE Podcast to 797979. That's RISE Podcast, all one word, to 797979. And you'll be supported both personally and professionally. Now, today's guest is Trey Williams, and he is a nationally recognized expert in entrepreneurship and business strategy. And we had a fascinating conversation about how entrepreneurship is actually on the decline in America, which actually really surprised me. And he's made it his mission to rescue 1 million entrepreneurs from traditional employment. Trey's new book, Boss Brain, reveals a scientifically proven system that unlocks readers' true potential and unleashes their entrepreneurial instincts so they can leave traditional employment forever. And he believes that is the American dream. So please welcome Trey Williams. Well, welcome, Trey, to the Rise Up For You podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a delight to be here. Absolutely. Well, I'm super excited for our conversation. So let's dive in. Share a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm a Southerner, if you can't tell from the accent right out of the gate. But I, I grew up sort of in the sticks in the middle of nowhere in a rural area. And, uh, my career progressed, uh, progressed in, a, in a very contrasting way. I went from living in the middle of nowhere to living in very large cities and millions of people. And, and that left an indelible mark on me, uh, sort of the perspective of growing up in an environment where you're totally independent and forced to fend for yourself and then in an environment where there's so much infrastructure and so much opportunity and so many things going on. And, and that duality is, is really kind of played itself out throughout my life and my career through franchising and has been salted and now as an author. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about your upcoming book. Super excited for that. Well, thanks. I'm very excited about it as well. The book's called Boss Brain. And the, the book is really written directly to aspiring entrepreneurs, but it addresses a much larger problem in the, in the United States. Most people find this very hard to believe, but there are fewer entrepreneurs in America as a percentage of population than at any time in history. In fact, mm-hmm. among major industrialized nations, America now ranks dead last. So really? we are only about six and a half percent entrepreneurship in America, and that's off of previous highs in the late 1930s, early 1940s of over 20%. And there's been a steady decline. Um, somewhere in the mid-2040s, 99% of America will work for the other 1% if we don't reverse this trend. Wow. I would think it that, that's surprising to me, I guess, because I've been in the coaching world and I'm you know, in that. And all I feel like I see around me are entrepreneurs. So I know. I know. I felt that way as well. I, I come from the entrepreneurial background, so it's very insular. And you're working around a lot of people who have the same mindset and are working the same way you know, really have that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can go to the National Bureau of Labor Statistics and see this incredibly painful graph yourself that just shows a precipitous decline over time. Um, The good news is that America still ranks third in the world for our entrepreneurial spirit. So 
about 70% of the American workforce wants to be self-employed. Mm. And that's good news. That means we still have that spirit in us. Uh, we're, we're beat out only by Portugal and Poland, coincidentally, who have a little higher spirit than us. But uh, we're, the problem is we're not translating that spirit into action. And that's really what the book is all about, is, is how to get over those mental hurdles and navigate that ethereal world between traditional employment and self-employment. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can... Uh... Yeah, that's so interesting to me. Wow, that is interesting. So uh, Every, everyone responds the same. Yeah, way. yeah. Here's the gig economy, and you know, working remotely, and everyone's doing their own side hustle. Yeah. Um, but but the, but the truth is, a side hustle doesn't really constitute being self-employed, right? Everyone has these little things that they're trying, and that's because we are still spirited. Mm. But being truly self-employed is only about six and a half percent. So let me ask you then your definition of an entrepreneur because again that's a you know you would think yeah someone driving uber is an entrepreneur they're doing their own thing they're not employed by you know so um right so so what's your definition of it yeah so i love this question because uh there are a lot of variations in this and and here's my standard answer for that Uh, all 70 percent of those that were surveyed in 2018 uh, who indicated that they would like to be self-employed I still think those people are entrepreneurs. They're aspiring entrepreneurs. They want to get there. Mm. Now, that 30% who say, no, I just want a job and I do not want to own my own business, those people aren't entrepreneurs. But So what that means is we have 100 million people, which is about 70% of the United States workforce, who are, are entrepreneurs that are kind of locked up in a position and don't know how to unlock themselves from where they are. In their hearts, they know it. In their in their instincts, they know it, mm-hmm. but they need help navigating that. So, mm-hmm. the, the the National Bureau of Labor and Statistics defines it really as someone who is self-employed and supports themselves through self-employment, not just supplementing their job or in, in implementing their their side hustle. So, I, I think all of those people are all 100 million of them, even those folks that are W two employees who just have yet to take that leap. And I just think it's my job to help them find a, a path to take that leap so they can translate what's in their hearts into action. Mm, yeah, yeah, I love that. Do you feel that someone who is a franchisee, um, call it McDonald's or, you know, whatever of the sure. you know, thousands of them, uh, is that an entrepreneur? 100%. Okay, absolutely. so they're running a business, even yeah. though they're under a franchise umbrella, you're considering them an entrepreneur. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, so those folks... Uh, they might issue themselves a W-2 for tax reasons or something or another, mm-hmm. but they're the ones who put their money up to start this business. They're the ones who make all the decisions about how the business operates. Mm-hmm. Just as because someone gave them a business model mm-hmm. that they could follow or licensed a trademark to them and helped support them while they're they're starting out doesn't mean that person lacked the entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, these, these folks are investing three, four, five hundred thousand dollars of their own money yeah. and putting their lives on the line. That is the definition. Right, it's right. with risk. So, totally. yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think that, in, historically speaking, some folks have looked at that franchisees more as an extension of the franchisor. But I 100% see them as an entrepreneur because without them, that model wouldn't exist. Right, right. So network marketers. So even if they're under an umbrella of a, a bigger company, it's still you're running your own little business within it. Yeah. Sure, yeah, sure. And absolutely. now the, the 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 National Bureau of Labor Statistics might not count you until you no longer are receiving a W two, but I count it. you. 
Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. still count you, right? So right. you're still an entrepreneur, but we're just working for you to remove your dependence on that traditional employment and be 100% the, the master of your own faith. Awesome, awesome. Now, I know that you also talk about um, kind, kind of the hardwired psychology, you know, behind why most people feel they're meant for the entrepreneurship, but, but don't pull the trigger. So how, how do you work with them? How, how do we get past that fear or whatever is holding people back? Yeah, so there's an ancient battle going on inside our heads. And, and the truth is we're, we're waging a battle that we actually won eons ago. And, and it's the battle between optimism and our need for certainty. So you could call it the, the battle between uncertainty and optimism. So if you haven't read Tali Sharat's book, uh, Optimism Bias, you definitely should. Mm. And, and she's proven without a doubt that optimism is a hardwired instinct that we all are born with. Even pessimists have it to some level. <laughs> and um, she's proven how important and just absolutely crucial that was to the rise of humanity. Someone had to look at their existing circumstances and be able to envision the future as a better place and then feel the self-efficacy to go try to make that vision a reality. And that, that's really kind of the, the reason why we rose so significantly over the past eight, 10,000 years. Mm. And here, here's the interesting point to make. Mother Nature was smart enough to give us both of these instincts, this instinct for optimism and this need for certainty. Mm-hmm. And the reason was, if absolutely everybody was unbelievably optimistic and had no need for certainty, we all might have loaded up on ships and sailed beyond the horizon and hit a hurricane and died, and our species would have been no more, (laughs) right? So there had to be this balance, this give and take between the two. There had to be people that stayed on these shores where certainty existed, while others loaded up a boat, sailed beyond the horizon, and didn't know what was out there. And that that was part of our success and that that yin and yang that sort of fire and ice has balanced us through time but what's happened now especially in the western world where the base of maslow's hierarchy is is pretty much guaranteed mm-hmm. i mean the the poverty level in the united states is twelve thousand dollars a year the median income on the planet is ten thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. so what that means is that the poorest people in america still earn 20 percent more than half the world's population wow so as a result of that certainty that we've gotten in Maslow's hierarchy, we are really much less likely now to load those ships and sail beyond the horizon because we have such an incredible level of certainty and we're really becoming victims of our own success. We, we know that we're somewhat guaranteed a job of some sort and some variation depending on our experience and our education. Mm-hmm. We know that there's safety with calling 911. We know that there's housing. We know that we have first responders. If there's a tornado, we have all of these things that our ancestors never had and we've gotten comfortable mm. and that comfort is a cage. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little more. I mean, what is your, what, <laughs> that's like deep. I love it. Yeah, I love this conversation because it's so, I mean, again, it's, uh, you know, I still love the mindset and the psychology side, but uh, when you work with people, are there just some people that are, I mean, I think we all have a place, right? Some people are just meant for the certainty, meant for, that's what their thing is you mean sure, you know sure. they, they, and we need those people yeah absolutely 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 they're very very important yeah so it's like the the when you see that fire in somebody that's someone that you know okay 
you're caged because you're in the situation that you you feel victim of or you feel you know uh, just stuck in. But, but then how do you get them out of that, or how do how do you support them moving through that? Yeah, so so much of this is um, is happening in our heads and not in the world around us, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that's really what we're trying to focus on in the book is we have become victims of our environment. And we tend to just capitulate to all the requirements, the expectations, the this linear path that everyone in America is supposed to, to matriculate through like a student. You're supposed to go to school. You're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to get a job. You're supposed to buy a house, right? It's kind of the blueprint print for American mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And the irony behind how that works is at that point where you're just out of your 20s and you're making the most crucial decisions of your life. Mm-hmm. That is the point when studies have shown that we're least optimistic. So it, this is counterintuitive. Yeah, so definitely. So most movies and media depict the younger generations as naively optimistic, as thinking that they can go and conquer the world and do anything. And and believe we all sort of probably felt bulletproof at some point. But studies have shown that we are most pessimistic in our mid twenties. So while we're making those decisions, the one that had decades of implications that tie us to a mortgage, that tie us geographically, right? That tie us from professionally into one particular segment or genre, don't give us a breadth of knowledge that you really need for entrepreneurship, are happening at the moment when you're most pessimistic in your life. So what do you do? You choose the most certain option, and then you look back on it 20 years later and say, oh my God, I had no idea how I was chaining myself to the expectations of others. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it depends on, yeah, the messages you got as a kid too, right? If it's, you know, if it's that that cycle of you need a job, you need insurance, you need benefits, you need, you know, you need all these things, right? It's right, like right. be a teacher. It's like they have the, you know, like, uh, you know, these, I mean, now obviously it's a lot more opportunity, but it's interesting. But then I see the other side with, with young people too, uh, of just seeing all like people on social media that are able to make so much money as a YouTube person or Instagram or all of this too. So that's interesting to me. Well, let me, let me, let me talk about why that has, has really created a significant amount of pessimism and a struggle among some of the younger generations. Yeah. Uh, prior to social media and indeed prior to, let's say, um, media in general it was probably around the advent of the television. You lived in a town. You knew everyone in that town. Uh, let, let's let's go back far enough to say that everyone in that town knew who the best blacksmith was. In town. Mm. He might or she might not have been the only, but everyone kind of knew who the best person was to say, you know, that person, if you need your horse shot, that's the person to go see. Mm-hmm. So fast forward that into the 20s and 30s, and everybody in that town kind of knew who the best cabinet maker was. So you are only comparing yourself to the people in your immediate environment. Mm -hmm. So when you had your own skills, your own abilities, you only compared yourself to a handful of folks who wanted to to pursue the same trade school or same skill or same career path that you pursued. Well, now, from the time you're six or seven years old, you're literally comparing yourself to the rest of the planet. <laughs> so you're looking at 8 billion people. How could you not be pessimistic 
about the own likelihood or, or and how could you not seek more certainty when you're looking at an influencer who has 30 million followers and think that's a metric by which is your success is going to be measured when really it's largely inconsequential so this is another proponent or another component of our our social environment that's kind of caged us inside of our own head. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, you think it would it would uh, open people up to the possibility of so many different options, right? So much more available uh, as opposed to, I guess, yeah, people start um, uh, feeling less than, feeling insecure. How come they can do that and I can't, right? So you get that type of, right. kind of attitude as well. Yeah, part, part two in the book is, is uh, all about accountability and all about measuring yourself only against your own abilities and your own potential and and your own personal work ethic. Mm -hmm. And when you begin looking at it through that lens, instead of measuring yourself relative to those around you, because there's always going to be somebody with a bigger house and a nicer car and (laughs) a bigger bank account, right? But when you start measuring it only against your own abilities and your own potential, that's when you adopt a growth mindset. And that's when you you stop thinking of things in terms of what's going to make me feel the best about myself and mm-hmm. start thinking of it in terms of what can I do to be better tomorrow than I was today. Right. Right. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that too. I think it's, it, it's, it's being better than you were yesterday. Right. And, and, but there's so much comparison, right. Comparisitis, I call it. And there's so much of, of, again, because we're seeing more than our village, right. We're seeing all this sure, other stuff. Sure. So I, I think it is a little yeah. bit, um, yeah, you think it would again be exciting and and show opportunity, but yet, yeah, it it can really be a downer for people, right? They feel yeah, their life doesn't well, measure well, up. Folks who are feeling, yeah, folks who are feeling that way should read James Clear's book Atomic Habits if you mm-hmm. haven't read it yet. It sold some ridiculous number, three or four million copies, and yeah. and really what James was able to to make clear was the power of compounding commitment and incremental gains. And, you know, it's no different than starting to save money when you're 18 or 19 and you have the stack of cash when you're in your 60s than it is to start committing yourself to being better every day when you're 18 and 19. And then you become an expert in your field. You become much closer to what you're capable of achieving and you're much sooner than those who started later. Right, right. Well, I think, uh, you know, from what I hear around me sometimes is, is this underlying like wealth without work attitude, right? It's like, oh, I can just be on this and I can just have these followers and I can make this money and get the, you know, and, and it's like, no, when you talk to any of those people, right? It's hard work, right? It is yeah. habits. It's hard work. It's, it's uh, you know, structure and discipline and all of those things that yeah. were, have been needed, you know, forever. But I think it's like you said, there's so much uh, just the convenience is different. So people think it's sure. easy. Wealth without work is a phrase I'm going to have to steal from you. That's um, <laughs> that, that's interesting, really. And, and the irony behind that is that no one is really remembered for their bank account. Mm. You know, folks are remembered for how they affected the lives of others and those around them. And that's really what your legacy is and what lives much longer than, than your bank account does. I, I've made this prediction. You'll get a kick out of this. I predict that 200 years from now, folks will remember Bill Gates' name because of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And they will say something something goofy like, yeah, I think he had something to do with the very first computers. I don't really know what it was, <laughs> but man, did his foundation not change the lives of millions of people. And, and, and when people 200 years ago look back on this, 
I doubt seriously we're going to be using hard computers that have Microsoft Office on it at that point. And, <laughs> right. and his impact will have been lasting for the effect he had on others. So it's sad that most folks don't measure their, their own worth relative uh, to, to how they're helping others and they're looking for wealth without work instead. That's yeah. an excellent phrase. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's the legacy you leave. It's the contribution you you give. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's, and I, and I find it, I mean, when you did your research, did you look at the different generations or really in a where, I mean, because obviously there's a generational messages, generational, you know, Absolutely. if your parents made it through the great depression, there's going to be a different way you were raised than now, you know, so. That's true. Absolutely. So we cite about 65 different studies in the book are all uh, really fantastic studies done by folks that are way smarter than I am. <laughs> and I'm happy to have been able to use that secondary research and bring it together in a way that sort of shows what these trends are. And what you see is in the mid-1940s, right during the baby boom, during suburban sprawl, during the, the very beginnings of the rise of the middle class was the beginnings of the decline of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So and we've already talked about a few of the other triggers that are at the same time. When television became invented and mm-hmm. folks were suddenly measuring themselves against the, the folks that they see on TV, mm-hmm. when suburban sprawl happened and the interstate system came about, and when the middle class started to rise and that GDP started to rise, entrepreneurship began to fall. It was roughly 20% or so in the mid-1940s. So it's less than a third of that now. And that's a very, very short time mm. to fall from 20% or so to less than 7%. In fact, entrepreneurship's been cut in half in the past 20 years alone. In the late 90s, it was still closer to 12, somewhere between 12 and 13%. So that's how we get to that number that by the mid 24s, 99% of people will work for the other 1%. Mm. So there are some generational implications there, Mm -hmm. but part of the problem is that we're still operating within a system that was designed to fulfill the needs of the industrial revolution when everybody needed employees, Mm -hmm. right? That's when the eight hour day came up. That's when the five days a week came up. That's when paid vacation came around. That's when the hourly wage, et cetera, et cetera, and it wasn't project-based. So we're still operating within a world that was designed to create one thing, employees. And and, and I'll give you a statistic that can prove that. So there's a little more than 5,000 universities and colleges in America. About 230 of them have entrepreneurship or small business as a major. Let me say that again. About 4% of the universities in this nation have entrepreneurship or small business as a major. So that message is loud and clear. And it is, we are grooming you to be an employee. Mm. So what, why should we expect that entrepreneurship should be maintained or rise when everyone is told to follow the same linear path and then somehow expected to arrive in different destinations? How can I follow the same path of every employee and expect to become an entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's really powerful. It's just, again, more knowledge we have, the more, um, you know, the things you're bringing up to me, like I said, I was like, whoa, I didn't, I just thought it would be, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) entrepreneurship was everywhere, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And the sad part about it is, is no one's talking about it. No one's talking about this precipitous decline. You don't hear about it on the news. You don't hear about it coming from the SBA. And I think the SBA is doing a really good job. I'll say that categorically. Mm -hmm. I think they really are. They're, 
especially given the times that we're in right now, they're being very, very aggressive. We're trying to prop up businesses and, and create new business development. Mm-hmm. But no one is saying, hey, if you don't, uh, you know, we already talk about 99% of the wealth being with 1%, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't want 99% of the jobs being with 1% too, then you need to join me in this revolution, right? right. Don't, don't rise in the mid 2040s and go, hey, why wasn't anyone talking about this? We should have done something. The time to act is now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. I can't wait. So when's the book launching? Boss Brain. So it, right? it will be available in a limited quantity for uh, as those who get on a, a wait list and drop ship before the holidays. And and with COVID, everything's a little bit delayed. So I'm just saying before the holidays because I want to under promise and over deliver. <laughs> <There you laughs> so hopefully before then. Um, and, and bookstores soon after that and everyone you everywhere you might imagine. On Amazon and Barnes and Noble, et cetera. Um, the, the publisher has asked me to do the audible version, which I found surprising given my Southern accent, but it should be a hoot yeah. right, to do my own audible version of this, That'd be great. but it will be available everywhere for you. And, um, you could go to, uh, get forward slash wait list and get on that limited quantity wait list to be drop shipped prior to it being bookstores. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, we'll do that for sure. And now I know that you mentioned a few awesome books, but has there been one book that's had a massive impact on you? Absolutely. So if you haven't read Sapiens by Yuval Harari, I, it is an absolute requirement for entrepreneurs, not because it has anything to do with entrepreneurship, but because what it really reveals is that the, we feel so bound by the world around us, but we've forgotten that we're the ones who've manufactured this world and who felt obligated to comply with it. Mm. And once you read Sapiens and you kind of understand that a lot of the limits that you think are are binding you is really just mutually agreed upon fiction (laughs) that is part of our customs and culture, then you can bend it to your will. I read that book, and I'm not kidding. I felt so empowered to just reject all of these things that I did because I thought it was what I was quote unquote supposed to do. Mm. It's really a powerful book and it was so incredibly well researched. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy. You have to read. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. How about a quote that you live by? Uh, Every day I say that comfort is a cage every single day. And this applies to my efforts to stay in shape tomorrow's my birthday and, and i'm oh. feeling like i'm getting getting older so my efforts to stay in shape and not get too comfortable as i age my efforts to bring this message to people you know my 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 personal life and the ways that i want to be better i, I just i think that it's important to remember that, that complacency that comes with security and certainty really cages you so all the time i say that comfort is a cage comfort is a cage love it and happy birthday thank you for that fantastic um how about if you were to leave the world with one final message like your golden nugget what would that be so I'll, i'll tell you a little quick sentimental story um my father passed when i was a boy and i was about seven years old and when uh years later i was going through his wallet that he had on him when he passed and I found a little slip of paper on it. And on that slip of paper, it said, your only limits are the size of your dreams and the degree of your dedication. And it was such a surreal moment for me. And I still have that slip of paper. It's right here at my desk. Oh. And um, 
And, and that really is, is something that I would like to pass that information on, sort of how it was passed on to me, even if indirectly by a slip of paper in his wallet. But your only limits are the size of your dreams and the degree of your dedication. Ah, oh, beautiful. That is very special. That's awesome. Uh, if uh, well, how do we? How else can we find you? I know you mentioned your uh, your book website. Um, do you have other social? Yeah, well, you can always find me at treywilliams.com, T-R-A Williams.com, and um, I'm uh, I, I, I enjoy Twitter sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I am I am T-R-A underscore Williams there, and on Facebook, I'm Trey Williams C-F-E which is my certified franchise executive designation on Facebook. And that's become a fun uh, place to communicate. I have a a private group there called Boss Brain Revolution, where a lot of folks who are on the wait list are sort of talking about the videos that I put out and the content of the book that's upcoming. And so many of them are either entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. And it makes some really healthy debate. Oh, that's wonderful. It's a good place for people to go who are interested in that. That's great. Uh, okay, one last question. As you know, we are Rise Up For You. So when you hear that phrase, what does it mean to you? I, I hear that phrase, and what it means to me is that you should only compare where you are relative to what your own capabilities are, not what the world is around you. Because this is for you. It's not for everybody else. Mm, beautiful beautiful well thank you so much and i'm so excited to get your book and so appreciative that you came on i know it served our audience and just thank you so much for your time today it's been my pleasure thank you so much thank you for joining us today on the rise up for you podcast series we're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com, and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly, and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow.